Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Guys, we're going to look at, at, at what we looked at last week, how, how we live in a connected world now. And this is going to be Connections Part 2, and it's actually contending with the past. Connections in the past and contending with the past. The very thing that uh, this morning uh, that we talked about with the Advent cal- <clears throat> the Advent Scripture, uh, Advent Sundays this, this month, they ask us this question, who are you? Who are you? Well, you and I are, are folks that in Christ have an identity. But if you were to be asked that question, who are you? As we begin this time of Advent Sundays, they lead up to the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. Do you have in your life a history of godly folks in your family? Do you have a history of that in your family? Now think about that. You don't have to answer. Is your family known as one of those who love the Lord for generation upon generation upon generation? Now that can be a great heritage and a great part of you. But to answer that question carefully, who are you? I want you to go ahead and when I count to three, state your name. I don't want your, your I want your given name and I want the middle name, okay? All right, y'all ready? Here we go. One, two, three. anybody know my middle name? That's the name that kind of gives you distinction. Most of us are generally known by that name. And it sets us a little bit apart from everybody else, unless you're a John Smith or a John Doe. Do you know how you got your name? Do you know the story behind how you got your name? I've shared with you mine. My dad was Clyde O. Larrabee, Jr., my mother wanted to name me David Larrabee after her dad. His name was Bowman David St. John and didn't want to hang me with the name Bowman, so she said, I'll take his middle name and I want to name our child Dave. You know what my dad did? When I was born, my mom was five foot five, okay? She weighed, soaking wet, a buck ten. I was 10 pounds, 6 ounces, okay? Now, no guy groaned then, but every woman in this place just groaned, okay? Carol Burnett has, exp- has, has, has told what childbirth is. You, you remember Carol Burnett? You remember what she said about childbirth? Remember? She said, if you want to know what childbirth is like, grab your lower lip with both fingers, with your thumbs and fingers, and stretch it completely over your head, all right? That's what giving birth is supposed to be like. My mom was unconscious because they gave her morphine after I was born. So my dad snuck in and the the nurse came in to the the hospital room and had the the little certificate that said, what do you want to name your child? We've got to go and do that now. My dad quickly, while my mother is passed out, put Clyde O. Larrabee Jr., his name. Now, I'm not a Clyde O. Larrabee Jr., I'm a third, okay, Trey? I'm a third, okay? And when it came about that she found out, that's the reason that I'm the last child in our family, all right? Think, you'll get it, all right? I got my name from my dad sneaking in and doing that. But your name is a marker, and it can be important to those in your past. Your family is important. Everyone in this room has a family. Some are bigger than others, and everyone thinks that their family is, well, a little different. A little bit different. A little off. Your family gives you a beginning of identity, a history past just your life, a history of the past of just your life. And family is important, but there's one other characteristic of who you are, and that is your DNA. That's your DNA. In 1983, the Human Genome Project was established that would build on the work of past scientists who had discovered the double double helix of the DNA strand in humans. 
they began to sequentially map out the connections and establish a baseline. In that study, they determined that for all humans all over the world, they had one common source. Now, guys, listen to me. Science is not the enemy of faith. Science is not the enemy of being a Christ follower. The more science digs in, the more they find that our world and the creative order demands a creator. It could not happen by chance. And so if you happen to believe the Genesis account, and I do, that God created a man, and out of that man, everyone in this room was created, the Human Genome Project ended up verifying that. And now you can go ahead and send a saliva sample into Ancestry.com or 23andMe or two other sources and discover more about your genetic background and your forebears. I've shared with you mine. I am 81% Scottish. Not Scott-Irish, Scottish. Which means that last year when, we, when, when Donnie came up with, with the other two guys, Kelton, and, and Joe, and they were dancing around like they were Scottish men. My heart over here leaped with joy. Not. But the most important thing about you is not who you are, but who you are in God. You can't choose your family, but you can choose who you serve. And God has already chosen you. And you have to choose Him. You can't simply go ahead and say, I'm a Christian because my Forebears were all Christian, and therefore I am. Faith is not inherited. It is not genetic. It is chosen. The writer of Psalm 61 talks about this. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to read God's Word. Do we have that up? We do not. Then we're going to stand this morning and just simply enjoy the reading of God's Word together. We stand to honor His holy and perfect Word. Psalm 61, verses 1 through 5. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of earth I call you when my heart is faint. Lead me to to the rock that is higher than I. For you have have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows, and you have given me the heritage of those who will fear your name. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. You can begin your connection with God this very morning. Your connection with God does not come because of a church denomination. Guys, listen to me. We do not become Christians when we join the Baptist church. Matter of fact, if you are not a Christ follower, you don't need to join any church. A Christ follower is a person that not only hears the gospel and responds to the gospel, but then allows God to take us from where we are and begin to walk with us in the gospel walk in a life-changing way that Jesus becomes not only a part of our lives, but becomes the one in our life that we continue to follow and we continue to, to obey. A Christ follower, and I use that term rather than Christian because the word Christian has been homogenized into our culture to mean virtually nothing. A Christ follower, though, is someone that will follow Jesus to the end of his days, to the end of her days. You make that choice of connection with God, and you can this morning. And it doesn't matter what your past is. Jesus paid for your sin already and awaits you to receive the free gift of His love and forgiveness. God desires you to be with Him in heaven. And guys, He wants you to be with Him in heaven eternally, no matter what has happened in your past. This is an interesting thing that Jesus did on the cross. If you remember His very last words, it is finished. And then he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. 
that word, those words, it is finished, are very important to every one of us that are here this morning. It is finished means that Jesus finished the job of paying for your sin. There was no part of your life that God did not know and that Jesus did not buy back for you. There's nothing that you can do. Listen to me. There's nothing you can do or have done that is a barrier between you and God. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't just cover it up. It cleans it out. God doesn't paint over the sin of your life. He scours it out. And not only that, but after He has done that work of redeeming us, buying us back, He doesn't just let us go through life and then as we sin again and again and again and again and again. And by the way, everybody in this room, if you're a Christ follower, you are a sinner who is redeemed by Him. And by the way, all you redeemed Christ followers, you still sin. Did you all know that? You still sin. Isn't that amazing? I'm glad you said no. That is cool. It's not that amazing because God loves you. It's amazing to me because what ends up happening to me is as I sin, as I do, as I'm driving my car back down Highway 6, and you know the story, some knucklehead, yeah, I'm not going there again. As I do that and I have my sinful Clyde self get up again, Revived from the dirt that God buried it in, Jesus then takes me back to his gospel woodshed and says, Clyde, you don't have to live like that anymore. He takes you there too. It is both amazing and not amazing. Because God's love for you is absolute and eternal. And he wants you to be a part of his church, his, his family. He doesn't care what your past is. And it doesn't matter what your, what your family's past is either. If your family helps give, your family helps give you a, a beginning of identity, and if that's so, what happens, when, what happens when you weren't born into a family that was like Billy Graham's or a Cleaver family? For those of us that didn't get that blessing, is there any kind of hope for us well, Jesus makes it clear that your spiritual heritage is all on you. It doesn't matter if you, are, if you have a proud church record back to the pilgrims or if you're just like me in a spiritual mongrel. Jesus dealt with folks that were just like that in the gospel accounts. You remember when he's dealing with a tax collector, the most hated man in all of the culture? The tax collector collected the taxes for the Romans. And oh, by the way, he charged a surcharge above what the Romans charged so he could make a living. He was hated. And those that were religious around Jesus said, hey, why are you hanging out? And they named specifically sinners and tax collectors, IRS agents. How many of you guys right here growing up want to become an IRS agent? Not many. How many of you all ever go, hey, I want to be an IRS agent. I want people to love seeing me. Same thing in our culture happened back then. But Jesus loved that man enough that he called him down. He said, you and I are going to have fellowship today. Our past, our heritage, it doesn't matter. Instead, it becomes a place of beginning for Jesus to do His work. I had an image today that I wanted you to see. It's going to be up next Sunday. A guy by the name of William J. Murray. Anybody in here know who William J. Murray is? Not related to the Murrays in this, in this church. Anybody know who R William J. Murray is? William Murray was a plaintiff in a 1963 case that his mother brought against, against a school district so that he could he could be named and interviewed as a plaintiff to stop school prayer. Now, I am barely old enough to remember going to school 
and praying every day. Some of you all remember that. Madeline Marie O'Hare, her son, William Murray, ended up going before the Supreme Court and winning the case, and she began what was then known as the American Atheist Organization. Her son, William, was one of the founding members. In 1980, William found Jesus Christ. When he announced his new faith in Christ, his mother basically said, I have had, and I'm going to use a term that was a quote from her, and it is, it is graphic and it is difficult, but it is appropriate. She said, I had a postnatal abortion today. I have no child named William. I never will again. William ended up becoming what you and I, he, he became, and, and her quote continues on, said, he became the worst thing possible, a Baptist minister. I've had people that make that same assumption about me. That Baptist minister began to write books. He became an apologist. That's a person that actually defends the faith of Jesus Christ. When his mother and his daughter and his other brother were brutally murdered, William became involved in the investigation as a suspect. When he was cleared, he became an advocate for the police and he became a minister to those that were investigating who had first thought he was the murderer. William J. Murray came from what most of us in this room would think is a family of absolute anti-Christ heritage. And Jesus can reach him, and he can reach you. Your family background does not determine who you are. But it's interesting that the writer of Psalm 61 mentions this heritage in verse 5. You see, that heritage talks about the fact that you can go ahead and begin a new heritage with God that will bless your family. How do you do that? How can you, as a new Christian, build a heritage, even if there's none in your past, and contending with your past, go ahead and say, from this time on, I'm going to go ahead and take my life and my walk with Christ seriously. How can you do that? Kelsey actually hit up on a couple of these very quickly. First of all, pray. Pray for your family. Pray for your family. Guys, the easy way to do that is set aside a particular time of day every day that you're going to meet with God and that you're going to pray for your family. I pray for my family when I get in my car and I drive to our church on, 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 on any day of the week. As I'm driving here, I'm not only thinking about I've got this appointment, these things to do, but I begin to go ahead and go to God and say, God, would you bless my wife? Would you bless my mom? Would you somehow reach my sister with the gospel? Will you bless my son in Florida, my daughter in Colorado? Will you bless my daughter that is going to Brazos Christian? Would you go ahead and not only speak to their hearts, but begin to go ahead and pull them, like Kelsey said, pull them to a living relationship, not just a head knowledge, but a heart hunger for Jesus. Set aside a particular thing you do every day and that thing that you do every day, when you meet there, you pray for them. Pray. Second of all, choose to serve. Now, I've already told you a place that you could serve. One and two-year-olds here in our church, we need somebody that will look after those little boys and girls. But guys, listen to me. Don't do that if you don't like one and two-year-olds. Okay? If you think they're stinky and smelly and nasty, don't volunteer. Because you'll only last a little while. Serve the Lord, not the person, not the job, not your superior. Serve the Lord. You pray and you ask God what He wants you to do. And then you serve. There's no greater joy than, than discovering what God really wants in your life. Who He wants you to spend your life with. 
What he wants you to do with your life. This is determined by the history of your past and your family and your descendants. This is God operating in your life right now. And for some of you here today, what he's operating in is to tell you he wants you to become his child. Not somebody that is going to come to church on Sunday morning and occupy a a pew and sing a few songs and occasionally throw some dollars into a plate. No, God wants more than that. If he can't have more than Sunday or Wednesday nights, he doesn't want any part of you. He wants you when you walk out of this building. And when you walk in, he wants that part of you. The part that you hide away from every other person that you know. The dark parts and the great joys. He wants you to begin to serve Him with gladness. The greatest joy you can find is the pleasure of pleasing God. And serving Him, not in your spare time, but all of the time. The last is this. He wants you to be willing to share. And that sharing can be your talents, your treasure, and your family. Sharing your talents. I was listening to the choir up here this morning. As Ross was leading them, they I, I counted all of you all up there. I counted how many were up there. And then as I was listening to the hymns that had been sung earlier, there are some of you out here that need to be up there. Thank you, Ross. There's some of you that have gifts and talents to sing that are absolutely astonishing. And guys, listen, you can stay out in the congregation, but part of the work that these people do up here is not just come to a rehearsal on Wednesday night. They end up helping to lead you and me when Ross has chosen a chorus that none of us know and we're trying to struggle through it. And they sing loud enough that we all go, oh, watermelon, 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 watermelon. No. They help lead in worship of our God. And guys, listen. You can serve with your talents. You can serve with your treasure. Listen to me. We're going to pass a plate in a minute. Please do not give unless God has put on your heart to give. Don't you dare do a thing without God's consent and approval. Because if God has told you, and He has in His his Word, that we are to tithe 10%, that ought to be the very minimum of what we give. And guys, listen to me. Sharing our treasure means not only what's in our back pocket and in our purse, it means sharing the treasure of the gift of the ability to give. Now, Kelsey is not on the payroll here. She's making an appeal that over and above what you already give to God, you will go ahead and consider giving past that. Guys, that's your treasure. That is investing in the heritage backward of this place and the heritage that is going to be spoken of forward. Guys, lastly, share your family. My family does not have a heritage in Christ. My family does not. I have some folks that are wonderful, wonderful people. I love kids. If for no other reason you ought to come to church, it's to watch to see what will happen, all right? I don't have a heritage in Christ. But I have instead a heritage in Christ that starts with me in Christ. And I can start it so that my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will not be able to say, well, I had a a granddad or a great-granddad that was a preacher. That's not what they need to do. I had somebody, I want them to be able to look at me and say, that was a person that loved God. And you can begin that heritage for your family this morning by choosing that you're going to follow God no matter what. Whether you have a family that did, We'll start a family that does. And it starts right now. Let's let God have our past, now, and what's in front of us. Holy Father, we thank you for this time. Help me to not go ahead and simply 
choose church. What an absolute common, common thing it is over you. God, we want the real Jesus. We want the one that that wants us and loves us. We want to be amazed and not amazed by the fact that you forgive sin and continue to do that through the balance of our life. The next few minutes, Father, as we sing this hymn together, this is the time of commitment, of connection with you. I pray, Father, that there won't be anyone that will walk out of here saying, I don't want God. Instead, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll move us to a place we've never been with you. We'll honor you by by saying yes to you now. This is your time. I pray no human will trespass it, and it will honor you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.